Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. You're listening to episode 39 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hi there. Today we are talking all about intentional living. We are talking about why it's important to find our why, so finding our purpose, and then we're talking about how to make time for those things in our lives that we value most. It just so often happens that life happens and life creeps in. Responsibilities and obligations keep us from those things and people that we value most. When we talk about intentional living, we're really talking about how to make time in our busy lives for the things that we value. To help me flesh out this hefty topic is Laura Durenberger. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that name should ring a bell. That's because Laura came on the podcast once before. She was on episode 20, and she talked all about her journey towards a zero-waste lifestyle. I am so thrilled Laura is back today, and what I love about our conversation is that we're not talking about things to add onto our already overflowing plates, right? So when we often talk about making lifestyle changes, the first thing we think of is what to do differently, what to change, what to add. We're framing the solution as what to take away. What can you take out of your life that's not serving your why so that you have more time for your purpose and for the things you value? Enjoy the interview. Laura, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. You are a podcast veteran. You were on episode 20 way back when. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I am thrilled that you have returned. Last time you came on, you offered a lot of tips surrounding zero-waste living. And today we're talking about something that's different but also related, which is intentional living. Before we jump into that, though, update us on your life and what's going on. So last time I was on talking about zero-waste living and uh, things that my family and I did to help reduce our waste. Um, I think back at that time, we were 30 pounds down 
a week and we've now increased it to 40 to 45 pounds a week. Um, so we've just been chugging along, uh, reducing our waste. That's amazing. Congratulations. Every little bit counts and you're doing a lot. So <laughs> that's amazing. Now, are you still blogging? I am. Yes. I blog at the Mindful Mom Blogrefer. And Blogrefer is a play on blogger and photographer. So I'm a nature photographer. Um, and that blog covers all ways to reduce mental clutter through mindful and intentional living, minimalism, and zero waste living. I believe your blog just had a birthday. Is that correct? It did. Yeah. I just celebrated the first birthday of my blog, which was really exciting. Um, it's been kind of fun to see how it's grown in the past year, and I'm super excited to see where it goes this next year. Happy birthday to the blog. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> On your blog, you often discuss how after you became a mom, you found yourself really busy. Maybe over busy is a better term. And I can definitely relate to that. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how you found yourself needing a little bit more intention in your days. Sure. Yeah. So um, my son is almost three. So it was about three years ago. Uh, my husband and I had, when I was pregnant, we moved three times. Uh, he started a new job and then our son was born all within the span of like six months. So by the time he was born, I was already feeling really burnt out. Plus, you know, the, everything of having a newborn. Um, and two and a half months after he was born, I started work again. And I quickly realized that the time that I had at home with him was being spent you know, cleaning, running errands, doing things that we maybe necessarily didn't want to be doing or didn't align with our values. Um, and I just, I quickly realized that something, I needed to do something so that I could spend my time with my family and my son. And what was it that you did? So I started, well, I first started looking at, um, really looking into minimalism and kind of started the decluttering process and really becoming interested in that whole, I guess, lifestyle change. Um, essentially, I kind of started translating that stuff over and slowly started implementing intentional living at the time, of course, but I didn't realize that was, I guess, what I was doing then. Um, so yeah, I kind of got it started with minimalism, but it, it's, it, it's just like reducing clutter through all sorts of aspects of my life and just being really intentional about what we bring in and what we do. Why, in your opinion, is intentional living important? So I think that our society has a glorification of busy syndrome or, you know, if that's what you want to call it. Um, you know, we, we value hard work, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is when we're, you know, working 80 hours a week when we're constantly stressed, anxious, feeling overwhelmed, uh, running from thing to thing, you know, it's, there's just no intention, which is where intentional living comes in. It's, it's just really stopping and taking a look at our life and if it's aligning with our values or if we're just kind of on autopilot or following society. Right. And if working 90, 100 hours a week is in line with one's values, there's nothing wrong with that. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, and yeah, then definitely. But I, I think that a lot of people that 
I know and see um, that isn't their values. And I guess that's where, you know, I come from when I'm talking about intentional living. I notice often in my own life that people are working, working, working harder and harder and harder just to keep up, especially in the professional world. If I ask my husband, let's say, to come home for dinner at six o'clock, his answer often is he doesn't want to be the first one to leave. So there's a push and a pull because our family values eating dinner together. However, because of the value that the Western world places on busyness and on work, those two principles often clash. I'm wondering if you find that in your own life. Yeah, it it is really hard to kind of, I guess, buck society and, you know, do your own thing because so often you talk about not being your husband not wanting to be the first to leave work, you know, and, and that's hard because if if your work culture is that and that's depending on your promotions and you know, moving forward, then yeah, it it really creates a conflict. On your blog, I read an interesting article and it was in which you did some research into regrets of the elderly. And I just found it so fascinating. Could you quickly touch on your research and how your findings related to intentional living? Sure. Well, when I was writing the post, I kind of thought of my grandma, um, who I'm very close with. And I, you know, kind of started thinking back to the memories that she brings up. And it's never about like the jobs that she did, or it's never about, you know, all the commitments that her and my grandpa and my, you know, their kids, my dad and my aunt had to go to when they were younger. It's all about like the fun trips they took or their weekly outings, you know, their, their traditions, whatever they would do. And so I, I wanted to kind of look and see, um, you know, if I could find anything about regrets of the elderly or regrets of those who are, are dying. And I found that the vast majority of the research that I looked into um, came up with very similar findings. And that was that people wished that they would fo- had focused more on happiness. Um, they wished that they hadn't worked so much. That was probably the number one thing that I found in all of the articles that I looked into. And then the third one was just that they spent more time with friends and family. So, you know, while each individual person has different values, it seems like those three things are kind of a common core, if you want to call it a value, I guess, of, of our society, yet we're not really matching our lives up to those values. Hmm. You also discuss the importance of having a why, and why is in air quotes. I'm doing air quotes as, <laughs> as I'm saying this. Can you explain that more? Sure. So I talk about a number of lifestyle changes on my blog, you know, zero waste, living, minimalism, and mindful and intentional living. And it doesn't matter what the lifestyle changes that you're looking to adopt. You have to have a why, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is, why do you want to make this lifestyle change? Because if anybody out there has attempted or even gone through a lifestyle change, like those are the ones that I mentioned or other ones, you probably know that it it can be difficult and you can come up against roadblocks. And without a why, it's hard to get through those things. So for me, 
one of my biggest whys was making time for my son and my family. And so as I was starting to implement these lifestyle changes, if I would come up on something that was, you know, holding me back or I was feeling discouraged, I would just think of him and, and the stuff that we would be able to do with, with this freedom more time, whatever. Um, and that kind of helped, helped keep me going. How hard was it really to make the conscious decision to be less busy? I think in theory, it wasn't that hard in reality, you know, it, it is obviously more difficult to, to implement because you are going against society for the majority of the time, you know, and of the, of the things that you're doing when you're choosing to live more simply. Um, I, I just took it one thing at a time. I mean, really slowly. And that helped a lot. It was just kind of easing into it, take one step at a time and not, not get so overwhelmed where you're just going to quit. Hmm. Something that I find interesting is that when we look at our lives and we notice that a change needs to occur, we often throw more time and more effort into the things we value, right? And that's smart and that's good and that's right. But we often forget that we can step back from aspects of our lives that we don't value. So we could cut back on others so as to give more to the things that we do value. What, in your opinion, can we all cut back on so that we have more time to live in accordance with our why? Sure. I really do try and focus on the reducing aspect of these lifestyle changes. It's not about taking on more and, you know, now having to throw more into your your juggling pile. It really is about reducing. So, of course, that's going to look different for everybody based on their values. but I can talk about for me personally, what a few of those things were. When I first started realizing that I need to make a change, I, I just kind of happened to stumble upon minimalism. And one of the more obvious choices when you're trying to reduce, I think, is is reducing your physical clutter. Um, so that's, I think, one of the main things that I do. And if you know, you're looking to make a change is like what I would recommend. Um, you know, physical clutter is, it, it really affects us, I think, more than we realize. I know you've had a couple of guests on your show who've, um, one in particular that uh, talked about the kind of the mental effects of physical clutter and just how it can cause anxiety and stress and we don't even realize it. Um, so that's where I started. And, you know, throughout the past three years, we've kind of done it on and off. You know, that first year we had a newborn, so we didn't do a, <laughs> didn't do a whole lot that time during that time. But um, up to date, we're up to 134 boxes of stuff that we have decluttered. Um, so that's made a huge difference and, and really probably the biggest thing that we've done. Um, another one was, you know, now we're adding a kid in and, you know, we're kind of worrying about money more. Um, and so just, you know, figured out what, what, what can I help to help reduce the budget? And so we started looking into free resources that we could use within our community, like the library. Um, we're lucky enough to have a toy library, um, shopping secondhand, doing clothes swaps with friends. I know you have a episode on that as well. That was really good. Um, the third thing was cutting back on screen time and social media. 
uh, you know, I think if you really start to look at the time that you spend on that, you, know, you can do just catch quick minutes here and there, but it really starts to add up throughout the day. Um, and so just being really intentional about that. And then the last one was um, commitments. Um, and this one was probably, I guess, the hardest of them all, just because it had started involving other people, whereas the first three, you know, is kind of just our internal family. Um, but we really just started being intentional about things that we said yes to uh, and what we put on our calendar. On episode 31 of this podcast, I talked all about the art of saying no. And I do believe it is an art. It's not something that comes natural to most people. Usually we're primed to say yes to things. We don't, we want to please others. But something I personally have been working on is saying no to things that just don't make sense for my family or more specifically things that are going to stretch us too thin. And at first, it was really hard to say no to obligations or events or invitations, but you worded it as protecting your time. And I like flipping the switch that way. Instead of thinking of it as, oh, disappointing all these people, <laughs> think of it as I am protecting my family and I am preserving our time. And since I have begun to say no, it has gotten easier. And I will say for me personally, that has been the biggest and most influential change that I've created in my family. So I just wanted to say your time is extremely valuable. Yeah. It really does make a difference. Um, and I'm happy to share a couple of tips if you would like. Yes, please. Okay. Um, so probably the biggest tip that I give to anybody who's looking to say no, the one that made the biggest difference for us was we honestly carved out family time and put it on our, we share, my husband and I share a Google calendar and we carved out time, put it as a regular commitment on our calendar. And we just treated it like any other commitment on there. And it sounds so simple, but that helped us. It really helped us get into the habit because then when something, if something did come up that conflicted, we just say, no, unfor you know, unfortunately we have something else going on. And, you know, people don't need to know what that something else is. It's, you know, not really their business. And if you're close to the person say, you know, we've got a family event scheduled and I, you know, I've never had somebody get mad at me for spending time with my family. So that has helped us like the absolute most um, and, and starting just to get in, used to doing that. And now we don't necessarily have to do it as much because like you said, it did get easier. Um, but that was that was the one the one main thing. Um, the second one was we created a family rule and this will look different for everybody. Um, but for us, we had where we only do something, you know, once a day. So weekends especially was where this kind of came in where you've got, you know, a play date in the morning and a party in the afternoon, or you've got, you know, whatever the combination may be. So we've decided that we're just doing one thing. So if we have something in the afternoon, we kind of block off the morning and do our own thing um, or vice versa. I love both of those tips, and I especially love the calendar tip of putting it in the calendar on a recurring basis daily, family time. And I will also just say that it's so sad 
that we have to do that. But life really is that busy, I isn't know, it? I know. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, I think it just helps get into the mindset too. You know, like, like I said, now we don't necessarily do that as much because we just kind of gotten into the habit. But if you're, you know, if you're used to following your calendar and that's kind of how you organize your day and your week and month, whatever, it, that's a great way to, you know, to start implementing the, the time you want to protect. One other question I have for you is detoxing from social media and especially putting down the cell phone. Using my cell phone and being on social media is definitely not aligned with my why. I'm still formulating my why in my head, but I know for sure that Facebook and Instagram are not big parts of my why. But it is really hard to put down the phone. And I've mentioned it before on the podcast, and I've called it for me personally an addiction. But I'm wondering if you have any tips for me on detoxing from the cell phone, detoxing from social media so that I can be more present in my daily life. Yeah. So it, you know, it, I've written about it and stuff, but it, it's still even hard for me sometimes. Um, in, in one of my posts, I researched, you know, why we're so, we feel so addicted to our phones and it actually is a brain chemical that gets released whenever we get a notification or a like comment. Um, but it actually is, it becomes an addiction uh, and that's why like we cannot put them down. What I have done, so there's a number of apps out there that you can download. Um, and I just did one myself. I think it's called Flipped, F-L-I-P-D. Um, and it, you can, it'll lock your phone so that you can't go on it. Um, you can do like kind of like a semi-lock where it'll come up and and you have to physically exit out of it to go to Facebook. And then I'll say, Oh, are you sure? You know, so you have to actually stop and think about it instead of just that automatic check Facebook. Um, so the stuff like that. And then there's also ones that track your time. Um, there are apps that kind of can help you manage if, if, you know, that's something that works for you. Um, the one that I did when I first started that is actually really, really helpful. Um, I just put like a rubber band or a hair tie around the middle of my phone. And whenever I would pick up my phone to check something, um, it would cause me to stop. And I think so much of what we, when we hop on is automatic. So if you can actually just stop and ask yourself, why am I going on right now? You know, is there a specific reason or is it just out of habit, boredom? Um, so that was really really helpful for me. And then it also, I would get questions about it, you know, if at work or with my friends or whatever. So then I could tell them like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about my social media use. And, you know, then it kind of provides an automatic sense of accountability for you. Cause now all of a sudden people know that you're trying to, to cut back. Um, so that was really, really helpful for me uh, to when I first started. Laura, where can listeners find more of you? So I'm at um, the Mindful Mom Blographer, and that's B-L-O-G-R-A-P-H-E-R.com. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram at the Mindful Mom Blographer, same with Pinterest. And then Twitter is Mindful Mom, uh, yeah. God, what is it? <laughs> it's M-I-N-D-F-U-L 
B-L-O-G-R-P-H. They didn't have <laughs> what I needed. So um. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's great. Thank you so much for coming on a second time. And I look forward to our third time, our third chat. I can't wait. <laughs> you know, thank you so much for having me. Love your podcast. And I can't wait for the third time either. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Laura Durenberger of the Mindful Mom Blogger. I will link to her blog and everything else you need in this week's show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash zero three nine. On next week's episode, it's a great one. I'm speaking with not one, but two mindfulness experts. Stay tuned. I'll see you then. Take care.